children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children Welcome to Children's Bible Journey, with stories and songs just for kids. We have a dramatized Bible story coming up, but let's get today's program started by singing praises to our awesome God. Have you ever thought about how God felt as he watched Jesus slowly carry his cross up Calvary's hill? Think of the love he had for us to let his only son die for our sins. Doesn't it make you want to love God more? 1 John 4, verses 19 and 10. We love Him because He first loved us. And this is love, that He loved us and sent His Son. We love Him. We love Him. Because He first loved us. He first loved us And this is love That He loved us And sent His Son We love Him We love Him Because He first loved us We
Let's pretend now. Let's pretend we're quiet animals. We can tiptoe around in a circle. King of Judah. And after he had reigned seven years and six months, there came representatives from all the tribes of Israel to David at Hebron and spake, saying, Behold, your majesty, we are one people with one God. Therefore, O David, we plead with you to become ruler over both Judah and Israel, as the Lord God of Abraham and Isaac hath decreed. You are he who hath fed Israel and delivered Israel from her enemies. Well, David, my husband, you're now king of all Israel. Yes, it's a great responsibility, Abigail. But you can fulfill the duties and responsibilities if... If? If you'll continue to put your complete trust in God. Ah. Let him lead the way, David. Obey him and worship him. When the diadem was placed on your brow at the coronation ceremonies, Israel had a king by divine appointment. Oh, it's been many years since Samuel anointed you as God's chosen ruler of his people. You've waited patiently all these years. So just continue to be patient. Wait on God and you will be a great king, David. You are all members of my court. Together we will rule Israel. Together we will guide Israel into a life of happiness and obedience to God. We can do this only if we work together, pull together as a team, and if we will obey God in all things. Your Majesty, 
May I be so bold as to observe that each person here, each member of your court, personally pledges allegiance first to the God of Israel, secondly to the King of Israel. Well, I'm pleased at the demonstration of your loyalty to God and to me, and I'm sure that God is pleased. Now, we have a matter to consider which I feel requires immediate action. I am of the opinion that the capital city of the new Israel should be changed from Hebron to a place more centrally located. I am appointing a committee to consider the matter. This is our second gathering together to consider a new and permanent capital city. At the first meeting, a committee was formed. I understand this committee has considered several possible locations and actually went to look over the terrain of some of them. Has this committee anything of importance to report? Uh, we have, Your Majesty. Well, let the report be given. Uh, Your Majesty, we are of the unanimous opinion that the ideal site for the capital would be a place 20 miles distant. It is known as Jebus. It is well fortified and, and would be of easy access to all tribes. Uh, your recommendation, then, is Jebus. Uh, we think uh, it is the ideal location, Your Majesty, but are not decided if it is worth the price of retaking it from the Jebusites. As His Majesty will recall, when our ancestors came out of Egypt and conquered the land, Jebus was partly destroyed and their king slain. However, they have rebuilt their city and now consider it impregnable, even though they are located in the very midst of our country. Therefore, we are leaving the final decision up to His Majesty. Thank you. Your recommendation will be taken under advisement. Any other comment or recommendation? Well, thank you. And my decision will be made known as soon as practicable. <sighs> well, dear, I've made my decision. Jebus shall be the future capital of Israel. But I understand that it's impregnable. No place is 100% impregnable. Jebus can be taken. By a direct miracle of God? Well, with God's help, of course. But it can be taken by strategy, by outwitting the Jebusites. By nightfall tomorrow, Jebus will be in my hands, and I will make it the new capital of Israel. You're sure, David? Well... <laughs> I think so. I'm taking Joab and the royal guards and champions to Jebus at sunup to look the place over and take it. You see, dear, I think I know the one weak spot in the otherwise impregnable fortress of Jebus. <laughs> This is the spring called Gion. It supplies all the water used by the Jebusites. It flows I in know the direction how we can take Jebus. We'll cut off their supply of water, then they'll have to surrender. How are you going to cut off their supply of water? This spring is outside the city wall, and it's their only source of water. All we have to do is. Oh. For a moment, I'd forgotten that the Jebusites have that situation well taken care of. Half a century's. They cut a tunnel in the rock to a reservoir, and they have water. 
Well, you're on the right track, Joab. I am. The Jebusites are very sure of themselves inside their impregnable wall and natural defenses. They have no regular army or guards. If we could once get in the city, it would be a simple matter to take the city. Yes, if one could fly like a bird. <laughs> or swim like a duck. I... I think His Majesty is serious, but I... I still don't understand. Swim like a duck. What would happen if... If, mind you, if someone would go through the tunnel in the rock to their reservoir, and at the reservoir climb up the shaft? He'd be inside the walls of Jebus. Exactly. Then he could make his way to the city gate, open it, and let the rest of us in. Within minutes, Jebus would be ours. It'll be no easy task. The water's cold, and it may be impossible to climb up the shaft. But who wants to try it? Oh, well, I'll try it. I'll see you I'm going to let several of you try. Joab, you, and you, and all you champions, and... Ah, uh, no, no, that's enough. The rest of us will make our way to the south gate, hoping that soon one of you will make it and open the gate for us. And the one of you who makes it will be rewarded for his valor. I will make him captain and commander-in-chief of Israel's combined armies. Remove your armor and anything indicating that you're soldiers. In case you get inside, you won't want to attract attention. When you get ready, jump in and good luck to you. I'm ready. I'll see you at the south gate, Your Majesty. Your Majesty, it's Joab. He made it. Follow me, men. But remember, the Jebusites are practically unarmed. They'll probably surrender without any bloodshed. And they took Jebus that day, and it became known as David's city. From that day onward, things moved rapidly. By order of his majesty, David, the king of all Israel, the capital city, formerly known as Jebus, and now as David's city, shall henceforth be known as Jerusalem. We'll start here at this fortification. I believe the Jebusites called it Milo and built buildings inward. Oh, Abigail, my dear, already Jerusalem and the new Israel are becoming strong and respected, even feared by other nations. My husband is well pleased, then, with the way things progress. Everyone is pleased, except the Philistines. They already have a camp in the Valley of Rephaim, probably waiting to see what we'll do, hoping that we'll come out there to fight them. What are you going to do, David? Inquire of the Lord and obey his instructions. against the Philistines, David, for I shall surely deliver them into thy hand. Your Majesty, sir. Yes, Joab. The enemy is completely defeated and destroyed, sir. Well done, General Joab. We found thee, sir. Uh, uh, idols. It seems strange that any intelligent being could put his trust in lifeless images of wood and stone. Uh, but they do. What shall I do with them, sir? Let them be burned, Joab. Let fire consume them, proving that they're false gods with no power or life whatsoever. Only the God of creation has life and power and being. Only he is worthy of worship and reverence. Remember that, Joab. And you will be a great general in the sight of God and man. 
We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. Do not murder! Yes, this is the life. A warm spring evening, sitting on the porch, hanging out with my beautiful granddaughter, Mariam. Oh, Grandma, I'm not beautiful. I look like a sheep. A sheep? Who told you that? Alexi Parrish, a guy at school. Oh, yes. Alexi. Didn't you once say he dyed his hair green? That's him. Then you would certainly want to value his opinion on what's beautiful and what's not. <laughs> I see what you mean. But I wish I looked different. What would you change? Oh, my nose, my ears, my eyes. Basically everything from the hair down. Let me ask you a question, Mariam. All those movie stars you see in the magazines, do you like the way they look? Sure, they're beautiful. Then why are they always having painful and expensive operations to change the way they look? Why are they spending thousands and thousands of dollars to shorten their noses, lengthen their chins, tuck their tummies, stretch their necks, or fatten their lips? If they're so beautiful, why do they keep trying to change? That doesn't make much sense. What makes sense is to just sit back and be satisfied with the way God made you. Stay healthy and strong, but try to look like a movie star? That's just silly because they don't even like the way they look. By the way, I happen to know why they go through all those operations. You do? Yes. Every one of them wants to look like my granddaughter, Mariam. Oh, Grandma. Jesus wants to be our friend. 
He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Boys and girls, this is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story is Chapter 5, Lookout Peak. Knock, knock, Willie said to Chris as Chris pushed his bicycle beside Willie's wheelchair. Who's there? Chris responded. John. John who? Chris asked. John the Baptist, Sammy answered, running up behind Chris and dumping his bottle of water over Chris's head. Why, you, Chris said, spluttering. The girls and Ryan laughed. Chris let go of his bike and ran after Sammy. Within seconds, everyone, including Chris, was laughing. By the time they reached the top of Lookout Peak, Chris was glad the water on his head had cooled him off. It was getting warmer and warmer. He was the first up the hill and the first to find a cold drinking fountain. Ryan went to sit on the lawn area overlooking Mill Valley and motioned for Chris to join him. In a minute, Chris said, and wandered over to where Sammy and Willie were getting a drink at the fountain. Sammy looked up from the fountain and grinned. He scooped up a handful of water and threw it at Chris. John the Baptist, he said, laughing. Enough. Guys, I want to ask you something serious. Ooh, he wants to get serious. That's different, Willie said. Tell me what it's like to get baptized, Chris asked. What's there to tell, Willie asked. You hold onto the pastor's arm and he dunks you under the water. No problem, unless you're afraid of water. I mean, Chris said, how do you feel inside? Like I said yesterday, I wanted to be baptized and be a part of the church, Sammy said. I guess being baptized means different things to different people. Sammy's right, Willie said. I don't think I understood all about it when it happened, but when I think about it now, I feel good inside. Hey, water baby, over here, Ryan shouted to Chris. Don't listen to him, Chris, Sammy said. He doesn't know anything. Just figure it out for yourself, Chris, Willie said. It's just between you and Jesus. Chris looked at Willie and Sammy, then over at Ryan. He looked as if he were trying to make up his mind. Finally, he left Willie and Sammy to join Ryan. Cars began arriving a few minutes later. Mrs. Vargas soon chugged up the hill in her car, too. Come on, Chris, Ryan, Maria, she shouted. I have lunch for you. Chris bolted through his peanut butter and jelly sandwich and apple so quickly he barely tasted it. Within a few minutes, he was standing on the concrete lookout behind the fence. Maria joined him in a few minutes, dropping a quarter into a slot by a telescope. They took turns using the machine to look all over Mill Valley. There's our house, Maria cried, and let Chris look through the telescope to see their house far below them. We're supposed to be finding the two crows, Ryan said. Well, I looked up and down the river. I didn't see anything that looked like two crows, or even one crow. Well, that's the end of our treasure hunt, Jenny said. Here, you guys, did you see this, Willie said behind them? Chris and the others turned to see Willie looking at a series of photographs displayed on the wall behind them. What? They're just pictures, Ryan said. Look, Willie said, remember what Mrs. Shue said about geography changing? The Mill Valley Flood of 1911, Chris read. Funny, I don't remember that, Sammy said. Probably because it happened before your grandfather was born, Willie said. But I don't think a flood could move boulders or a hill, could it, Ryan asked. Maybe not, but it could move a river. Willie pointed to a photo that showed Mill Valley. The white line shows where the river flows today through the west part of town. 
This dotted line shows where it flowed before 1911, through the east part of town. Look at that, Maria breathed. The flood was caused by a landslide just below us. That made the river change its route. And flooded out hundreds of people in the meantime, Willie said. We've been looking on the wrong side of town, Chris said excitedly. Without saying another word, seven heads turned toward Mill Valley. The map showed them a wide brown stretch to the east of town that was the riverbed. They looked below them. They expected to find something that looked like an old river. All they saw, stretching from Lookout Peak to the mall where they started, were streets and houses. Nothing, Chris muttered to himself as he helped his mother load his bicycle into the trunk of the car a little later. All our miles, all our looking for nothing. He pulled the door to the back seat open and threw himself down on the seat. Well, Mrs. Vargas said, there's always serendipity. Sarah, who? Ryan asked. Mrs. Vargas laughed. Serendipity. It means good things happen to you when you don't expect them. Kind of like getting a blessing from God that you didn't ask for, Maria asked. Something like that, Mrs. Vargas said. You know, so many good things happen to us every day. Most people don't take time to be grateful for them. Good things, Ryan asked. Like what? Like the weather, for instance, Mrs. Vargas said. What would have happened if it was still raining today? Did you think to ask God for good weather? Did you thank him for it? The three kids were silent for a long moment. Some things just happen, Ryan said finally. And some things don't, Mrs. Vargas said. Like I said serendipity as they headed toward home chris's mind tumbled everyone else seems so sure of themselves sammy and willie are sure that baptism is a good thing ryan is sure that it's dumb i'm not sure of anything i pray but jesus doesn't really feel like my friend how can i stand up and be baptized when there are so many things i don't understand the treasure in mill valley would have to wait his baptism would wait too have heard today is a chapter of the shoebox kids book one the mysterious treasure map it was written by jerry d thomas and used with permission from the pacific press publishing association if you're interested in any other books published by the seventh day adventist church please visit adventistbookcenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955 This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.